given you a reading that Jeff Murray had to read in front of all of you. I'm not going to answer all of the difficulties and awkwardness that it created for you as you listen to it read, but I did pick it on purpose because this morning's passage finds Jesus obeying the law even in his infancy as his parents take him to the temple to present him and redeem him as the firstborn male who opened the womb. And Jesus joined his people in submission to a law that he gave, even laws pertaining to purification that only he could bring, purification and atonement that he would fulfill and effect for his people. He submits himself to the law that contains the very shadows of it. And as he joined us in our life on earth and under the curse, this morning I want us to join Simeon, in his journey into the peace of Christ. And so, I'm not going to wave away any of the awkwardness that passage created for you. I'm not going to explain at length the turtle doves that are presented in the few verses before the passage you have in front of you this morning. But Jesus comes to the temple with his parents to obey the law, to submit to it, and to be the fulfillment of the picture of the purification he himself is actually bringing, fulfilling the very law that we just heard read. As we get ready to read this, young Christians, this morning, here's what I want you to think about or take notes on or maybe draw, if you still draw during the sermon. Jesus came to be our Prince of Peace, and the world we live in is not yet entirely peaceful doesn't mean that he doesn't work. It doesn't mean that his grace isn't effective. It means that he came to bring peace that he has not yet completed for us, but he will one day. So what I want you to take notes on or think about or draw are the places and relationships that you know of that need more peace, that need to be calmed, that don't feel right and need to be put right. They could be kids at school, friendships that are broken, maybe it's a brother or sister with whom you constantly fight, maybe it's problems with your parents, maybe there's a place that always makes you nervous or shy or uneasy. I want you to think about those places and then draw what it would look like to have the peace of Jesus win out and put all of those things right once and for all. This is the good news of Jesus, our Prince of Peace, from Luke's Gospel, Luke chapter 2, verses 25 through 35. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law. He took him up in his arms and he blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And his people and his mother, I'm sorry, and his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, 
Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed. A sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that the thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. You join me as we pray. (coughs) Heavenly Father, we gather this morning in the peace that is won for us by Christ. We gather together as a people drawn to your glory in need of more of your peace. So would you overcome our chaos and our anxiety with more full hope, with more sure peace, resting in Christ in all that he is, all that he promises, all that he will accomplish as he comes to make his blessings known as far as the curse is found. We ask that you do these things for us and fill our hearts with joy and faith. Confirm our hope in the process. We ask these things in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. As we've gone through different stories in Luke's gospel, as we've gone through the long journey worship guide for your family, this Advent season, we've seen a number of songs, people in Scripture who are given good news, sometimes terrifying and confusing, but still good news, and they respond by singing. And this morning we see the last song recorded in that string of celebratory songs. We've seen a song from Mary and a song from Elizabeth and a song from Zechariah, and now this song from Simeon. And all along the way, we've seen a number of words that don't quite mean the same things now that they used to mean when they were used in the songs in the first place. Like when Mary says, you have visited your people, she doesn't mean you've come temporarily to mess up our beds and eat our food and complain about things in our homes the way our family members have over the holidays. She means you have come to care for your people the way a doctor visits the sick. And when we see, leading up to this song, the idea that the Holy Spirit revealed to Simeon that he wouldn't see death until he had seen with his eyes the consolation of Israel, that doesn't mean the consolation prize, the bone you throw to someone as they lose a contest so they won't have their feelings hurt. It means the consoling of those who suffer and mourn and long for something else. The same is true of the word peace. We mean too little by the word peace. It gets thrown around and it means some semblance of what biblical peace is, but not enough. You know years ago that Miss North Carolina ruined her answer in the Miss America contest when she was asked what she would do. And she said that she would make sure that all U.S. Americans had maps because some U.S. Americans don't have maps and they don't know where things like the Iraq are and like such as. And her first mistake was not wishing for world peace. You know this. This is the right pageant answer. You always wish for world peace. If you have one wish to grant as Miss America, it's not maps. It's world peace. It always is. But when we hear world peace, we usually mean a ceasefire. We normally mean that war stops for a time. 
And that's part of peace, but that's not biblical peace. Again, this word doesn't mean as much to us now because of the way that we use it. The peace that Simeon sings about when he says he departs in peace is not just ease in the absence of work. It's not just the absence of war somewhere. It's not even a lack of force. Peace includes the absence of the urgent need to use force. It includes the fact that you don't need to fight to conquer or defend. But the biblical word for peace is much richer, much, deep, much deeper, much more full-orbed than we generally mean it. The biblical word for peace that Simeon probably uttered in Hebrew in this moment as he sang with eyes filled with tears of joy. The word that he used was probably shalom. It's the biblical concept that sits behind our translation, peace, but it's much more full-orbed than what we mean when Miss America says it, when we tell people we hope something is peaceful for them. It's the hope of God's people, but it's the picture of full harmony restored in the world, not only as individuals, not just peace for us corporately in some larger body like the church, meaning we get along with people. It's not only a restoration of broken relationships and friendships and marriages or siblings. It's not just peace with our parents and children and co-workers. It's not even systemic peace at the level of communities and governments and rulers and followers. The shalom of God in Scripture includes all of those things, but it swallows them up in a much bigger concept that still spreads much more globally to include the entire curse removed pervasively, cosmically, in every facet of the curse. No more sin like we sing, no more sorrow, no more thorns, no more sickness, no more death. It is God's world, His entire creation, finally set right and finally put right in perfect relationship with Him and with itself. It's a world without friction and frustration and failure and fear. That's the kind of shalom that's spoken of in Scripture. That's the kind of shalom hoped for by God's people. It's the kind of shalom and peace that God promises in the redemption of a Savior. The Savior who's being presented at the temple here. All of that serves as background when Simeon says he's departing in peace, but he hasn't seen all of this fulfilled yet. And that's why I want to use Simeon this morning as a template as our tutor, the one who leads us into departing here from the Lord's worship in peace with real biblical peace, as those who have not seen the redemption of the Lord fully yet, those who have not seen this kind of shalom and peace completed yet. Colin said it very well earlier in the service that the joy and the expectation and the celebration and the worship and the hope of Advent don't stop on Christmas morning when we remember that Christ was born in Bethlehem. They accelerate. 
All of those things accelerate and swell because we live between the two advents of Christ. We live between His first coming, when He became flesh and took up residence among us, and His second advent, when we see Him glorious in the flesh, face to face, when He puts all things right finally. When His redemption isn't just accomplished, it's fulfilled. All of that is wrapped up in Simeon's expectation as he departs in peace, and that's what's instructive for us here. We should hope and rest in Christ as we depart in a peace that's not yet complete. So what does it look like to live in that kind of peace? What does it look like to rejoice in that kind of peace that is already but not yet? In Simeon, we see three things that are on your outline on page 11. His confidence in the Spirit, his satisfaction in promises fulfilled, and a peace that spreads. Let me be clear as you look at that outline, these are not three steps into creating peace for yourself. These are not three mechanical actions that you can follow in the new year as some kind of resolution to experience 65% more peace in your life. These are the descriptions of what Scripture calls a righteous and devout man who has waited long to see the consolation of God's people. And having seen him, Having enjoyed part of the promise fulfilled, he departs in peace. And so as we live between the two advents of Christ, the way Simeon departs here, this is what it looks like to live as Christ worshipers who are satisfied by his peace. Peace that has come, but peace that will be filled and finally complete later. All of these things are not things that you produce in yourself. None of these things are actions for you to do on your own. These are the fruits of the Spirit's work in us. And so before I give you any of these things, I want you to rest confidently in the Spirit's work. Look at the description of Simeon in the passage. There's a man in Jerusalem whose name is Simeon, a righteous and devout man. And then the next three instances of description don't revolve around Simeon, what he does, his habits, when he has his times of personal devotion, what translation of the Bible he reads, what his practices are. It has to do with the Spirit's gracious work toward him. He's righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Spirit. He came to the temple in the Spirit to rest in the peace of Christ like this is nothing we can produce for ourselves. It is the gracious gift of God's Holy Spirit who ministers to us in moments of doubt, in the midst of our greatest joy to long for something more. The Spirit longs for the return of Christ more than we do. He longs for the return of Christ for us and fills us with a confident, joyful, restful longing because He grants it. 
If it weren't for the Spirit, if you had this description of someone like Simeon, someone who had been waiting to die, waiting to see Israel's consolation and working in obscurity in the temple, you probably wouldn't expect him to be described as righteous and devout. You would expect him to be cynical and bitter and angry and doubting. He would be played by Ed Asner in some TV movie, explaining to people about the way hope lets you down and promises are empty. And he's been waiting all this time, but nothing's ever happened. He comes here day after day after day, and every day he goes home, no Savior. But because of the confidence-giving spirit, who confirms for him the goodness of the promises. He's able to wait with devotion, to wait with joy, and then to rejoice when he finally sees it. And by the way, when he finally sees it, he's not blind to the fact that the conflict is far from over. He doesn't adopt the Miss America version of peace. You can see that pretty clearly in his... Words of dedication to Mary, not normally what you would want to hear from us on a baptism Sunday. The peace that is coming is not, in fact, it cannot be divorced from the God who gives that peace and reveals himself with grace and truth and the one appointed to reveal thoughts and intentions, as Simeon says, who exposes our affections, our sins and virtues He's the Prince of Peace, and He's the sign to be fought against, appointed for the fall and rising of many. Simeon says this in the context of rejoicing and singing, in confident hope borne out by the Spirit that doesn't sugarcoat redemptive history. He doesn't deny who Christ will be as both Prince of Peace, Savior, and Judge. Simeon rejoices, but he rejoices with his eyes wide open to what this peace will cost and what it will look like as it invades creation. What it will look like and cost to take a world that is broken and twisted and set it right. All of this is fed on satisfaction with promises that are fulfilled. Simeon expects that promises will be fulfilled in the future because they've been fulfilled to this point. God has never lied in one of his promises. He has never promised something and then failed to deliver it. And while Mary handing him an infant Jesus does not undo the entire curse in one fell swoop, it doesn't remove Roman occupation It doesn't remove persecution and oppression. That one action does not put away sin and death. He's looking forward to being released from his service in death to be present with the Lord. But Simeon is satisfied that these promises are fulfilled all along the way. The God who promised to preserve Noah through judgment along with his family did it. The God who promised to deliver his people out of slavery in Egypt took them across the Red Sea into salvation for himself, 
The God who promised to take people through exile and back to their homeland has done it. The God who promised long ago to bring a seed from the woman to undo the curse enacted in the garden has now delivered that seed. All of these promises are fulfilled and all of them bear echoes and shadows All of them are previews of the final redemptive promises that will be fulfilled later. All of the redemptive promises that will be fulfilled by the one he holds in his arms, but the one who is not fulfilling all of them yet. The one who still needs to live and suffer and die and rise and come again in glory. But when Simeon talks about it, when he beholds Christ, he says, now my eyes have seen your salvation. Not that he has seen salvation complete, but he has seen, he has seen Christ who is salvation itself, the one who brings it. All of the promises that have been fulfilled along the way are carrying God's people to the salvation He has promised in the end. And as they're fulfilled along the way, their confidence grows, and so does ours. Every promise of faithfulness that the Lord has made to us in His Word and kept confirms for us us that our faith is not in vain, that our hopes are not naive and wishful. That God's faithfulness is not something to be written in a book and put on a shelf. God's faithfulness is something to be held on to and leaned on and rested in. It's a little bit like the way that you prepare for a trip. And you know that the trip is coming. Your kids know that there's something good on the other side of it. Our kids have been singing in the house because we're going camping actually, after worship today. They love camping and they sing about it. Today's the day. We're going camping. Today is camping. They sing better than that. But the excitement grows and the promises that we will go camping are confirmed as we actually prepare the way. If we told them we were leaving worship to go camping this afternoon but nothing was packed, they would kind of squint and look at you funny. But the car is packed. They've packed their bags. Their sleeping bags are stuffed. They trust, as little promises have been fulfilled along the way, that all of those things are shadows and even paving the road to the fulfillment of the final promise that they will have what they've expected all along. Simeon sings here, Because God has packed the car to bring salvation to his people. It's not all out in the distance. Some of it is. Some of it is yet unfulfilled. But along the way, he has fulfilled promises to bring that salvation and redemption nearer and nearer and nearer. To bring his shalom closer and more fully in his world in, finally, the appearance of the Savior. And so he sings in confidence and satisfaction. But this isn't a complacent 
joy for Simeon. What he expects from this peace, as I alluded to a moment ago, is complicated. It's a Savior who will be a sign that is fought against. One appointed for the fall and rising of many, as some believe and some deny him. As some rejoice in his salvation and some scoff at it. Not only is it not naive, but he expects that this peace will spread. This peace has not come just for him. It's not just come for Mary and Joseph. It's not even just come for the people of Israel. As he sings this song about God's salvation, as he rejoices in hope of a peace that will overwhelm the cosmos, He celebrates that this peace has come not just for Israel, but for all of the peoples. All of the Gentiles, verse 32 says. That term sounds antiquated to you. It could also be translated the nations. This is not for one isolated people group. This is not for one synagogue, one temple, or one church. This is a peace that comes to invade the nations as God gathers for Himself a people through faith in this Savior. So this salvation has been prepared in the presence of all the peoples, put on display. Not just to show them what we got. Not like going to your friend's birthday party when you were 10 years old and you had to watch them open the gifts and you got to go, great, I'm glad you got that. but actually opening the gift of salvation and peace that is for those who look on. Because it's for them. It is a light for revelation to the nations. And so even as Simeon rests here, even as he proclaims the peace of God here and looks forward to his own departing in peace, he acknowledges on the front end that hope like this is not self-centered. It doesn't end in the thought, well, it's a happy ending for me, so nothing else matters. Satisfaction in God's peace like this leads to worship and ministry. This peace is meant to fill God's people, but then it's meant to spill over through them to all who still need it. This is a huge part of our sense of God's call to Portland. It's a place where people feel like they have found a utopia through progressive thinking and tolerance and green living. Things that I'm not opposed to in principle, but things that fall short of Christ and His reconciliation. Things that if rested in for final peace will always disappoint because they will always fall short of the real peace and shalom that Christ brings for His creation that Christ brings for His people when He puts them and the world around them right. This is the same kind of ministry and peaceful hope that spurs Luke and Soka on as Luke and Soka Smith are committed to living in a Cambodian jungle, preaching and teaching and educating people, not so that they can navigate difficult circumstances a little bit better, They do all of these things in the name of Jesus. And all of these things, they proclaim Christ and His peace. 
because the people around them have not yet found the peace that rests in the gospel of Jesus. That's why Paul and Kim Barton minister to the medically underserved in Jesus' name. Because his shalom and redemption is full-orbed. And it's after putting things right, body and soul. People need to be cared for, but they also need the proclamation that Christ is the final peace that breaks in and sets things right, that puts them, instead of at odds with God, at peace with Him finally as sons and daughters. That's why God has placed us here in Dallas, Texas, New St. Peter's. It's why He placed you in the world as moms and dads and realtors and attorneys, as contractors, as professors, as nurses and doctors and teachers. It's why you live where you live as neighbors and friends. You are here to live in the peace that Christ brings to you and the peace that He means to extend through you as listening ears and shoulders to cry on and avenues of His mercy to the hurting and quiet evangelists. As we leave worship, we should feel refreshed and hopeful, but we should be ready to proclaim the shalom, the overwhelming, pervasive, world-writing peace of God. The Prince of Peace became flesh, and He took up residence among us. And one day He will come again in glory to set the world finally right with His shalom. May the full-orbed peace of the Lord be with you. Amen. Oh Lord Jesus, you are the only foundation for our hope. You are our only Savior. You are the only one capable of bringing peace to us. You have fulfilled your promises all through redemptive history. You have always been faithful to us. You are faithful to draw more to yourself so that your peace would spread and be known and celebrated. Lord Jesus, as we continue to worship and as we depart this morning, would you let us do all of these things in your peace, the peace and rest and joy and hope, satisfied in your faithfulness to come once, and confident in your faithfulness to come again and set all things right by your grace. We ask these things of you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, for your glory and for our good. Amen.